Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Hey there, neighbors. On this week's episode, we'll be talking to Roy Choi, managing editor of Techno Buffalo. He got to see the new BlackBerry operating system and the new Z10 smartphone. We'll hear from Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider and Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> we have Roy Choi. He's the managing editor of Techno Buffalo. That's the publication that is also inhabited by John Rettinger, who has been on the show from time to time. And we're going to talk today on the Tech Night Owl Live about the attempted resurrection of the Crackberry, rather Blackberry. But I was going to ask you, Roy, first, welcome to the show, but why do they give it the nickname Crackberry? Does it have the implications I think it does? <laughs> I, think, I think we're thinking about the same thing. You know, Blackberries have this addictive nature. You know, that little red light that goes off, people want to go and check it all the time. And I, and I think that's for a lot of technology in general, especially in the mobile world. But the fact that BlackBerry was one of the first, it sounds cooler to say CrackBerry than it is to say for a, an Android device or anything else. So, yeah, it, it, has, it has an addictive nature to it. Well, obviously the others do also, but Research in Motion has had hard times competing with the iOS, competing with Android. So is this going to be it for them? Is this going to really be compelling enough to get them back in the game? What do you think? You know, it, that's what they're hoping. And, you know, the device is pretty neat. Uh, the hardware is neat. Uh, the software is neat. I've got to say, you know, BlackBerry Hub is the main focal point of this new operating system. This is uh, an operating system, BlackBerry 10, that's, that, that, that they've been waiting for for about uh, a year and a half, I believe, is the last update uh, BlackBerry rolled out with. And in terms of the mobile world, in terms of uh, mobile phones, that's an entire uh, lifetime for the uh, technology industry. So this is essentially their Hail Mary. They, they did not roll out an operating system in between BlackBerry 7 and BlackBerry 10 just because BlackBerry 10 was going to take a lot more effort, a lot more work to do so. You know, they've been beat up in the last year. Executives were leaving the company. They were canceling devices, canceling operating systems, closing down factories. This event was essentially a Hail Mary for this company. If these devices don't catch on, it does look like it's the end of RIM. And in fact, RIM, they've abandoned the name Research in Motion, and they're changing the uh, entire company brand or the name to BlackBerry, which makes sense to me. You know, people associate the product and the brand with BlackBerry rather than Research in Motion. Well, certainly, Research in Motion doesn't fall neat to the tongue, and if you're not really a tech geek, you don't know that Research in Motion is the company that makes BlackBerry. Oh, yeah, definitely. BlackBerry has a, a certain uh, more aesthetic-sounding uh, feel to it. And, uh, yeah, research in motion. What, what does that even mean? It, it sounds like an, uh, a biking company or exercise company. Yeah, you don't think of it making smartphones. But now, what is it that research in motion now BlackBerry did wrong to be left in the dust by Apple and Google and Samsung and all these other companies? Five and a half years ago, when the iPhone first came out, they gathered everybody into uh, a room to release the latest BlackBerry. They said the iPhone was essentially a fad, that apps mean nothing, and that BlackBerry is really the thing that'll stay 
ahead of everyone else. At that point, they were the leader in the smartphone industry. You know, there were some other players, HP, Nokia, Palm. You know, BlackBerry was the leader, and they felt the the QWERTY keyboard was key, and, and touchscreens were such a thing that's really not going to catch on. Look at five and a half years later, um, iPhone 5 is the number one selling phone, single phone, on the market, and uh, Samsung is the number one uh, manufacturer of mobile phones in the entire industry, and, and they're pushing out so many devices. Android was kind of a, an operating system that really wasn't to the finished, polished product as, say, uh, Apple's iOS, but they've caught on so much that it's almost comparable to iOS in terms of stability, in terms of the number of apps, number of users. Android is blowing out iOS in terms of market share. And, and it's Not so much in the U.S. It seems that Android's biggest advantage is overseas. Is there a reason for that? You know, I, I think it has to do with uh, the fact that the price point of Android phones are um, all over the place. They're low, they're high. Apple comes in with a new device, and they set the price at that price point. The other thing to bear in mind, too, of course, Roy, is that Apple makes much more profits than the other companies. You have to look at, for example, Apple versus Samsung. In the last quarter, Samsung's profit was a little over $8 billion. Apple was like $13.5 billion, their net profit. Of course, Apple was dinged for that because it wasn't enough. But then what do you say about Samsung? You know, I think uh, Samsung's business strategy is a bit more different. I think they're trying to get into markets where Apple is essentially leaving money out on the table. Like China is a big market, and there's all of this, all these rumors and rumblings about is Apple going to release a cheaper iPhone for a market like China, where most of the population can't get those phones. Apple uh, misses out, but Samsung, HTC, Huawei, they step in into that price point where the, the average income is nowhere near what uh, the typical Apple customer is, which in the U.S., uh, that's right in line with that income. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it is that international lower price point that, that is really resonating to a lot of consumers. And not all countries allow you to buy a phone and pay nothing for it and pay it out over two years with a subsidized plan. You don't always get that. We have that here. So therefore, I can get an iPhone 4 tomorrow, and that's a phone that's a couple of years old, and it's free at AT&T or Verizon or Sprint. Yeah. But in a lot of countries, I've got to pay, what, the equivalent of four or $500 for one. Yeah, I was talking to uh, some of my relatives that were visiting from out of the country. A Galaxy Note 2 that costs $299 here costs them 800 and some change uh, overseas. What kind? Country are we talking about? Korea. Ironically, the country where those phones are coming from, that's you know, $800, $900 for a phone that we get for $200, $300. Okay, so in Korea, just to be brief about it here, because we're heard around the world, but in Korea, they don't have subsidized plans like we do here. No, not like we do. And you know what? Uh, the U.S. market actually may be experimenting with that right now. I heard uh, with T-Mobile. I think uh, Verizon just a couple of days ago in uh, the earnings report, they just snuck right in there that they're exploring the, uh, the thought of, of removing subsidies for phones. So it doesn't seem like it's, it's not too far off, but I wonder how the consumers will respond to, to such actions. We're, we're almost used to the fact that we get our phones for free or you know, at a discounted price for $100, $200, where everybody else pays a lot more, maybe four times the amount. 
Well, the thing I read from a T-Mobile executive is they'll have some kind of time payment plan they'll give you. So, for example, you'll be able to buy the phone and pay, say, $20 a month yep. for the life of that payment. But once you finish paying for it, that's it. That's the price goes down that $20 a month, and what you're left with is your standard contract price. And the other thing is here you have to worry about termination fees. If you're buying the product in time, obviously you can sell it to somebody and they pay off the loan. It's like a car. Now, you buy a car for 36 months or 48 months or 60 months now, and you pay so much a month, but you know you can always sell or trade it in, and you use that money to pay off the loan, and then the difference is hopefully your down payment or profit. No, definitely. And we saw that in the uh, Nexus 4, uh, the Google Nexus 4. It's actually manufactured by uh, LG. Uh, but for their flagship phone, you know, they, they're selling that at about, I believe, two ninety nine uh, unlocked, which is a pretty great deal considering the unlocked market. You're looking four, five, eight hundred dollars for any unlocked phone. Granted, it doesn't come with uh, LTE antenna technology, but for an unlocked phone that you can take to any carrier, take overseas, and uh, you know, throw in a SIM card, it's actually a pretty good deal. You know, there's all this talk about Apple going the cheap iPhone route. And I have a few opinions about that, and then we'll get into some details about the new BlackBerry, as they say. But here's the deal. With Apple, Apple has always left low-end product on the table. They've done that in the PC market. We'll have more of that in a moment. We have Roy Choi. He is the managing editor of Techno Buffalo. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. You know, for many of us, so much of our jobs are tied to our office computers. We have networks, special programs, important files. You feel chained to your office just to be productive. Well, here's some good news. There is a better way. It's one I've used myself. It's called Go to My PC. It's a secure remote access tool from Citrix that turns any computer, tablet, or smartphone into your office computer. How about that? With Go to My PC, you can access your entire network, use any program, save, edit, send any file from anywhere. Don't even need to worry about those flash drives. My listeners, by the way, can try Go to My PC free for just 30 days. Visit gotomypc.com. Visit gotomypc.com. Click the Try It Free button. Enter the promo code podcast. Then download the free app to your mobile device. That's go to mypc.com. The promo code is podcast. Jim Newcomer from Minus Resources, February 1st, 2013. Gold opened this morning at 1665.60. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1707.07, for a half ounce, or 426.77 for a quarter ounce. That's 1707.07, and 426.77. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? 
Aquapel from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapel units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapel has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface water well and wastewater sources. Aquapel. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 Organic Soil Conditioner, Fertilizer Amendment, and Compost Accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Roy Choi of the Techno Buffalo. He's managing editor over there. And we're talking about, I guess, the state of the smartphone industry with an emphasis on BlackBerry coming up. But here's the deal. Apple has never played the cheap PC game. The cheapest Mac is a Mac Mini for $599. I guess they sell fairly well. So Apple has already left tens of millions of products on the table. Why would they do anything different with the smartphone market? They've never played cheap. I mean, if they could produce, for example a really good smartphone, say some kind of iPhone 4 or 5, whatever, iPhone mini, and sell it for like 299 or 349 maybe they do that. But I can't see them going any cheaper. Yeah, and, you know, I think the, the rumors that keep getting thrown around is the big bogey is China. The fact that they're being pushed out uh, at such a significant uh, pace from the cheaper competitors I think that's where they're feeling the greatest pressure and the greatest pressure from their shareholders because that was a commitment that they made, I believe, two, three years ago where their business in China was supposed to expand. And I think in the last maybe eight to ten months, they've only opened four or five stores where they promised you know, numbers about quadruple that. And you know, they fired their head of retail who they expected to you know, lead that charge. That didn't happen. I think Apple's market share in terms of the China market, they're maybe fourth or fifth in terms of uh, leading phone manufacturers. 
a lot of them are Chinese manufacturers or Taiwanese manufacturers, and they're obviously there's Samsung in the mix. But they're they're coming in with cheaper phones, and the rumors that we've been hearing are instead of the aluminum casing, plastic casing, and possibly different supplies that that are just a little bit cheaper. Uh, but you are correct because it, it goes counter to everything that Apple's ever done in terms of pricing their products. It is almost like an air of if you can't afford it, you don't deserve it kind of thing that Apple kind of holds uh, against people. It, it, maybe it's the way that Tim Cook is taking the company in terms of making the products more accessible. But I don't, I don't see that anywhere else. I don't see that in their iPods. I don't see that in their desktop computing. Or, heck, even the iPads. You look at uh, the iPad that they released yesterday. That's a, a, a $1,000 iPad. Sure, but they do have a $329 iPad mini, and they can't build enough of them. When it comes to the iPod, you can get one for $49. So it's not that Apple doesn't play cheap. It's they want to have the elegance. So it would still, if they were to produce a cheaper model, and I understand the logic why they want to do it, it would be still premium priced against other cheap products, if you get my point. It's got to be. It's got to be. Just because of the fact that Apple products hold such more esteem, I guess, when you compare it to competitors um, in terms of marketing, in terms of the brand awareness. Uh, I think was it, uh, within the last year, there was a kid who sold his, his kidneys for, an, for money for an Apple product uh, in, in China. So, I mean, if people are willing to give an arm and a leg, essentially, I mean, it, it holds a little bit more value than, I think, other products. Well, I think if they make it something to aspire to, as the people of China become more prosperous, then this is something where they can say, well, we can get something for the equivalent of $99 or 199 U.S., but if we can spend maybe 50% more, it's a real iPhone. Oh, yeah, definitely. You make it something to aspire to, and if Apple doesn't sell quite as many of tens of millions of units, that doesn't matter if they're making a profit. But let's look more into the BlackBerry situation. So... BlackBerry introduces a brand new operating system and looking at the new operating system and they're trying to do a few different things. It's not like the tiles in Windows Phone. It's not like the traditional way you see it with iOS and Android. What's their differentiation? You know, I think it's it's a lot based on the BlackBerry Hub. You know, everything you do is surrounded around the, the BlackBerry Hub. Your messaging, your emails, your alerts, it's all connected to the BlackBerry Hub. You know, you've got these apps that run, and they never actually shut off. Um, you can shut them off yourself, but they actually keep running in the background, which, you know, you can't really do that on, on, on an iPhone. Uh, there's limited c- capacity that's done on an Android device. So I think BlackBerry allows you to keep working even though you're not looking at it. Yes and no, because the way the iOS works is some apps do run in the background and perform background tasks. Otherwise, they go into suspend mode. Right. It, whereas BlackBerry, most of their apps are just running all the time uh, unless you decide to shut them off. Okay, but the problem being, how does that impact battery life? What kind of battery life do we get on this new BlackBerry phone? They claim on the Z10, that's the full touchscreen model, they claim on a 3G connection, uh, because the phones come in the HSBA Plus or LTE version, that it's a 10-hour battery life using 3G-ish technology. So they haven't actually said, or we haven't actually confirmed that the LTE battery will perform the same way, which likely won't. It'll probably drop from that point. 
But that ten-hour point may be just a little bit shy of what what else is on the market right now, and and we'll have to see. And and we'll get the phone here in our Irvine office and, and run through our full specs or run through our full tests to give you the full rundown. But you know, it, it, it doesn't. You know, the battery life. I'm not sure if it'll hold up to say, you know, the Samsung Galaxy S3 or the uh, the Note 2. Um, or the uh, Motorola Max uh, HD, because those have substantially great battery life, especially with LTE service. Well, that's the big deal there. We'll have to see what happens. But you got some hands-on there. Was this a pre-release version? Uh, we got hands-on at CES, and then we got a hands-on today at, uh, at, at today's press event. You know, the hardware, um, it, it looked it looks nice, and they they did go a little bit cheap on some of the parts where they where they did use plastic, but um, you know the, the phone from a hardware perspective it looks pretty nice. Um, and I've, to jump back to the uh, BlackBerry Hub aspect and switching between apps, I think there's a lot more swiping involved from left to right, up and down. Whereas on an iPhone, you end up double tapping your home button. Or on a Android device, you use the the primary three uh, buttons on the bottom of the phone, where you have the home, the back, and the settings. Um, so on the on the BlackBerry devices, on BlackBerry Ten, you end up swiping a lot more, and it gives you the same results. Uh, where you know instead of drilling down multiple menus to get to certain things, you just keep swiping in one direction or another, or you use a different gesture to get to where you want. So it, it is different. It is innovative. Um, I think there will be a learning curve, but there is something neat about seeing new technology or new new features uh, in a new smartphone. Well, you have to wonder, though, if the swiping back and forth becomes tedious after a while. Especially yeah. if you have, you know, 90 apps loaded. But then the one other issue with something like that is BlackBerry doesn't have a lot of apps yet. This is going to take time. And that's the other question, too. Will app developers want to get involved with a brand-new ecosystem? with a new product. I mean, they're so heavily invested now in Android and iOS. Why would they want to go anywhere else? And in terms of money, obviously, more of the money is being made when it comes to iOS. We have Roy Choi from Techno Buffalo joining Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors. Got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyn for DNS. Visit Dyn.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30%. By using the promo code PODCAST30 at checkout. Again, visit Dyn.com, that's D-Y-N.com, slash PODCAST30. Check them out today. 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Stop the pain from broken, chipped, and damaged nails and eliminate toenail fungus with a revolutionary new nail hardener, Nails of Steel. Just apply one drop of Nails of Steel over natural or polished nails and go. With Nails of Steel, there's virtually no drying time and it's guaranteed. Try this all-natural, antifungal, and herbal formula for women and men. Call 816-896-8307 or get free shipping at NailsofSteel.com. NailsofSteel.com. It's like a salon in a bottle. We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a silver dollar in a book explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. My name is Stephen Hewer. After 22 years of nutritional counseling, I've observed that most brain malfunctions have at their roots some form of toxicity and brain damage. So whether it is poor memory, poor focus, lack of creative thinking, or more serious matters like inability to focus, speak normally, or remember things, the emphasis to getting one's brain working optimally needs to be on detoxification. One World Way supports your body's number one means of detoxification, which is glutathione production. My name is Angie, and my son has suffered from borderline autism and constant I got him on One World Way, and in two months, his constipation is gone. He has become friendlier, he can carry on a normal conversation with me, and he has made his first friend. He's doing great, and he looks forward to taking One World Way every day. You could offer him a present or a cake, and he would prefer the One World Way. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Roy Choi, Managing Editor of Techno Buffalo, on the Tech Night Owl Live. He's had hands-on with this new BlackBerry all-touch smartphone, and there are differences between that and iOS and Android. I think one of the questions I raised of Roy in our last segment is, how does BlackBerry deal with the issue of the app ecosystem? Because we have these two players in the industry that seem to own it. Yeah, and uh, BlackBerry today, they announced that they have 70,000 apps in their store. And they promised to have uh, eight of the largest uh, movie companies, uh, movie uh, studios, 
uh, signed on for their content and all the major record labels um, to go to their uh, store as well. But you know, it, it is an interesting point because the apps are what uh, Apple you know touts as the number one reason people go to iOS or iPhone. You know, it's the ecosystem. It's it's important to how you use the device. I think one thing BlackBerry has in their favor is the enterprise. They've got a lot of business consumers. And, you know, there's that fine line right now between company-provided uh, devices and bringing your own devices. So they've done this thing where they've actually helped to kind of compartmentalize business versus personal. So you can kind of meld the two together in your phone, but somewhat keep them separated. So I know that uh, all the, and I use air quotes here, major apps are available on, on BlackBerry. And I know Windows Phone also faced a similar hurdle where they were trying to convince the developers to, to come along and, and join them on this journey to add apps to this ecosystem. And it is tough because, you know, for a developer, you know, a lot of them are ind- independent developers and they're trying to make a living. And if they don't see a certain level of return, they're not going to invest that into their, into their ecosystem. You know, we'll see whether or not BlackBerry 10 catches on. Uh, their conference is scheduled in May uh, in Orlando. And we'll see how many developers latch on to BlackBerry 10, see where the momentum is heading. Biggest thing, I think, that keeps or you know, entices people to a platform Apps are key. Yeah, I was reading a couple of preliminary evaluations online of the Z10, and it seems to look really good. Some said the performance is a little bit ragged sometimes. Did you notice that? There were some parts where there was kind of like a flicker of the screen with some random coding that just flashed. Um, You know, there was... I I, I kind of attributed to not knowing the gestures that I was talking about earlier. Uh, But, you know, it is a freshly released operating system, and you're going to always experience some difficulty using certain things, whether it's bugs or user error, whatever the case may be from the very first uh, uh, run of the software. But, you know, we, we tried out a, a test version back at CES, and, and, and it, was, it was pretty nice uh, in terms of uh, the way it looked, the way it ran. Maybe, you know, just in terms of, of using it in real-world experiences, it's not the same as when, you know, we get to try it out in a test environment. But, you know, there was some little things, but um, we'll have to try it out some more to figure out whether or not if this is a regular thing or if it's just me just screwing things up. But uh, I'd say that with iOS or Android, every first generation or every first uh, iteration of a, an update – I'm always a little bit weary. So uh, I can't necessarily give a thumbs up or thumbs down yet. But, you know, so far, I think it's, 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 it's okay. It's not bad. Well, that also is a big problem here. Does not bad or okay make it? And here's the problem here. We have a lot of people already invested, for example, in iOS. People are spending, what, up to $100 extra per phone for the apps and services. We have people invested in Android, okay, humongous number of people have already committed to those products. Do they come back and look at BlackBerry and say, you know what, does this offer an advantage to me? Why would they jump off? Why would they jump ship and come to BlackBerry? I think for uh, particularly an Android user, uh, you may be looking for a bit more security in terms of a bit more uh, operating system uh, stability. 
And there's people always talk about the Android lag or the bugginess, or um, in terms of uh, enterprise world, you're looking at a lot of security in terms of the content that you have on your phone, uh, where BlackBerry is the leader in terms of enterprise security. Uh, so that may be the reason why you choose to go to um, to, to BlackBerry 10 from an Android. Right. Now, the other issue, of course, being the touch keypad. Now that they've moved away with this particular product, the Z10, from having the choice of touch and a physical keyboard. Mm-hmm. Traditional BlackBerry users, is that what they're after? Or are they hoping to grab people from Android and other platforms who aren't satisfied? I think, you know, the fact that they're hedging their bets here with both the Z10, the full touchscreen, and the Q10, the uh, full QWERTY keyboard, I think they're trying to hedge their bets because they know that there's a, a, a large audience of BlackBerry users that are so very committed to the full keyboard experience. But, you know, it, it is an interesting uh, dynamic because it seems like most other devices move to the full screen or the full touchscreen experience where BlackBerry kind of did it and they were kind of beaten up for it. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, for BlackBerry users, you've got, you've got your choices. You can either go with a larger screen and go all touch with a smaller screen and and stick with a physical keyboard. Now, there appears to be, I understand it, if I'm correct here, on the touchscreen version, there's more of a predictive feature there. And you see some of this in autocorrect on, say, the iPhone, where when you start typing, it suggests entire words for you. Yeah. Uh, How does that work? Both the Z10 and the Q10. And once you start typing words, uh, like on any uh, mobile device now, you start typing words, and it'll make suggestions for you. But once you've entered that complete word, it'll actually start to guess the next word for you in terms of a bar across your keyboard and say, did you mean these words? And BlackBerry promises that as you use the software more, uh, it'll actually predict your word choices more and better. So, you know, it's almost like suggestive, uh, tell- <laughs> suggestive storytelling here. But, uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that... Um, it is it is uh, able to tell you what your next words are going to be. Well, I have to put it this way. If you want to be a lazy writer, after you train your predictive text, then you don't have to write anymore. You just say, write about a new flat panel television. Write about 4K TVs. We're right. testing one from Vizio, the new model. Okay, let's do that. And then we'll give you 600 words. <laughs> and then you go back and edit it. If you just uh, tell a bot to do it, uh, what you want to write, it'll just do it, and you just walk away. Right. You don't have to work anymore. Look at all the time and trouble you and I have in setting words to the screen. In my case, I set words to paper years ago. You know, I what? remember paper. <laughs> I remember typewriters. I remember an IBM Selectric, which was probably, you know, one of my early typewriters. I still have a Smith Corona electronic typewriter in the closet. It still works, I think. I haven't tried it in 15 years. And on the other end of that spectrum, you've got uh, Android devices and iOS devices where you just touch a button and you just type in your your words. So it almost seems like they're chasing the same thing but in a different direction in a more manual way. So, I mean, you've got some benefits in one platform versus the other, but uh, I still like typing out my words. I, I rarely find myself you know, speaking my text out unless I'm driving or I'm, I'm unavailable to use my hands. 
Well, I guess we'll have to see how this works and how this fares, because obviously BlackBerry has a high mountain to climb there. Long road ahead of it, and we'll have to see where it turns out. Roy Choi, tell our listeners where they can find more information about the things you write about. Check us out at technobuffalo.com. We'll have uh, reviews, news, and uh, all the great information you'd want to know about technology. You cover, by the way, flat panel TVs? We started to review a few. We reviewed the, the fancy Samsung one where you talk to it. Uh, we just reviewed a Sony TV just a few days ago. It'll be out on our website uh, shortly. But, yeah, we do review a few t- uh, flat panel TVs. This is Techno Buffalo. And a special thank you, Roy Choi. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com you land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet, because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case, so the choices are endless.
Douglas, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider at AppleInsider.com. And so much has been happening in the Apple and tech universe that I don't know where to begin. But I thought we would cover a few things here. So we have a peculiar situation here. There's an article over at MaxSurfer.com linking to a story talking about the swift boating of Apple. And that relates back to something that happened during the 2004 presidential campaign where they tried to take a war hero, John Kerry, who was a senator who just became Secretary of State, and say, of course, he wasn't a hero. They call it swift boating. Okay, basically personal attack. So this is a swift voting of Apple. Then we have a situation here where Apple is attacked because their profits weren't high enough. So then we have a situation here where Samsung, the entire company, making smartphones, making parts for other people's computers, making flat panel TVs, everything, their net profit was something over $8 billion. Apple is $13.5 billion. So Samsung, that's good. What about Amazon? Missing analyst estimates about profits, which were just, what, a couple of hundred million dollars. Um, Amazon never makes a profit. But that's still good. But Apple earning more profit than these companies, a lot more, that's bad. Where's the disconnect, man? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, companies that are available, the stock market doesn't, it sets the value of companies that investors are what they're choosing to pay for stocks. It does not mean that all these companies are commodities that are trading on an open market. So when you look at Apple's price and you look at Google's price or Amazon's price, they're not directly comparable in the sense that the people who are investing in Amazon are not the same kind of people that are investing in Google or Apple or anyone else. I mean, people who are investing in Amazon right now are, <laughs> I'm not sure who these people are, but they're, they're hoping that at some point in the distant future, that Amazon will be able to make money. It's a 
kind of a crapshoot because the company makes no money. The company has, since its founding in, you know, 97 or whatever, 94, I think, made $5 billion total. Apple made more than almost three times that much in the last quarter. So, I mean, Amazon doesn't make money, but it has a high valuation on the market. Why? Well, because people, you know, it's, it's almost like a religion. People just have faith that that's going to happen. And it doesn't, the facts don't matter. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is when you, everyone that's investing in Apple are not, is not the same in any individual company. So you have, in some cases, it's huge companies that own, own shares or, or individual investors. I mean, all those kind of people make different sorts of decisions. And last year, over the last, kind of as Apple fell 30%, um, part of that was just reconfiguration of who was owning stock. So these huge companies were unloading billions of dollars of stock just because they have rules about how they, how they collect shares and who they invest in and things like that. And it just had an impact on Apple's stock. that has really nothing to do with its fundamentals. And if you look at Apple's price, if you just pull up the you know, last 10 years of Apple stock, you see this just roller coaster of up and down, and part of it going down is in 2008. And in 2008, Apple was doing phenomenally well, and the rest of the market was just in the toilet. And so you say, why was Apple going down when everybody else was going up? Well, part of that is just because people don't know what's happening. When they're setting the price in real time, they don't know what's going to happen. So in retrospect, you can see that the stock market does not set a correct price. People talk about, you know, like when there's a fluctuation and they say, oh, well, you know, Apple went down today because this news was just released. That's not really the case. There may be some correlation between what's going on in the stock price, but not necessarily. So when Apple reported earnings, it wasn't that they didn't report enough earnings because the earnings were right in the ballpark of what optimist, um, optimistic analysts were saying it was going to be. What they were saying, you know, in kind of retrospect, they're trying to like, explain why Apple went down. And part of it was, I mean, one of the explanations that people have given is that Apple is making money at a slower rate than it did before. So Apple this year made more money than last year. And last year was a blockbuster quarter, but the rate of increase was slower. And there's a number of reasons for that. One is, you know, the quarter was a week shorter. And in a week, Apple sells billions of dollars. So just that has an impact of you know, billions of dollars. Um, in addition to being a, a small, you know, a shorter quarter, 13 weeks instead of 14 weeks, Apple also released, they basically flipped over their entire product line right before Christmas. And in some cases that was good because the iPhone 5 came out um, actually a little bit early, earlier than the 4S did, I think. Um, they had new iPods, they had uh, new various things. They had a new iMac that they didn't sell. There were resellers that didn't get any stock the entire Christmas season. That's that's a pretty important thing. So Mac sales were down considerably. But there's so much try, you know explanation that people are trying to find to rationalize things that, you know, the market isn't always rational. The market makes mistakes and some of those mistakes take months to to, you know, bring back to sanity. But overall, there has been a huge panic and once there's a panic, people are worried about other people panicking. And so they're start to get conservative. So even though Apple stock price is tremendously low right now, there's a lot of people that are hesitant to jump in because they don't know if it's going to go lower because there's no option for how low it got already. So it's kind of a vicious cycle right now of, you know, just uncertainty. But I think as people stop freaking out, 
you're going to see a lot of people jumping back in and things are going to normalize and we're going to forget this all happened, just like we forgot in 2008 how insane price was. Well, you have to also look at the fact that Apple, as you say, had products that they couldn't sell the customers because the supplies were constrained. So if they were able to get enough iPad minis, if they were able to get enough iPhone 4s, the iPhone 5 was constrained until the last few weeks of the quarter, the iMac especially constrained. If you assume they sold minimum levels and had the stocks to sell those minimum levels, they would have earned at least several billion more dollars in revenue, and the profits would have been a billion or two higher, and then Apple would have had the stellar quarter so they were being victimized for not having enough product to sell at the same time with unfounded rumors of fall-offs in demand. If you look at people's criticism of Apple, it's kind of like when people are sitting on a couch watching a football game and you, or any sport, whatever your favorite sport is, and you can look at people who are experts in their field and they are better than anyone else in the world at playing their game. And you can identify problems after the fact that, you know, they didn't do this quite right, or they should have done this because then this would have happened and everything would have worked out better and their team would have won. Well, it's a lot easier to pontificate about somebody else's ability in retrospect than it is in real time to do it. That's why when you look at Apple, Apple is outperforming everyone in the market. There's a lot of smart people at Google, at Microsoft, at even at Amazon, and they're not producing the same results, not only in making money and in identifying new product categories to enter and, you know, succeed at. Apple is producing phenomenally well. But it's easy to take all that for granted and say, of course, they're doing well. And, you know, they're going to they're going to do as well as they have been. But they could have done better if they would have come out with half dozen more products. Well, everyone else in the industry is coming out with products that don't sell, that aren't in demand and that aren't backlogged because they don't have a line of customers trying to buy them. So some of the criticism of Apple is just so over-the-top ridiculous that it's hard to even take seriously. I mean, you have people saying Apple doesn't innovate. Well, I mean, the, the real problem that we're talking about is Apple innovated too much. They could have sold, you know, a whole bunch of iMacs if they just bumped up the specs a little bit. Instead, they come out with this whole new model that's super thin. I mean, why do people need that thin of an iMac? I'm not really sure. But it kind of killed sales. I mean, there's, there were very few, I mean, relatively few, there's like a missing million iMac sales that they maybe they could have sold if they just sold a, a more you know run-of-the-mill version. But in the long term, it's probably better that Apple is producing products that are in such demand that you know that there's a, a line waiting for them. And over time, I mean, there, there was some missed opportunity with iMacs clearly in the December quarter, and it's not clear if if those people. You know, if there's backlog with an iPod or an iPhone, people are going to wait and then eventually buy it, more likely than not, more likely than buying something completely different, you know, some other smartphone, for example. If people want an iMac and it wasn't available at Christmas, it's possible that they could have bought either a cheaper Mac or something else, another computer. It's possible. Less likely than, for example, that they're going to buy it in January or another month. But at the same time, there's also a lot of people that are buying these iMacs that are going to wait until they're available. So in a situation here, we may also have deferred sales where people won't even place the order until the things are available in larger quantities. We're talking to Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider over at AppleInsider.com. We're talking about the misperceptions of Apple's financials and possible success. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So what's going on with Apple? Stock price in the dumps, but they're doing really well. And companies that don't do near as well are getting rewarded with better stock prices. What a curious world this is. And you also think here that some of the members of the press have gotten it so wrong about Apple, this meme about iPhone 5 demand going down, all this other stuff, that's feeding the frenzy, too, and feeding the concern. Well, and it's not clear. I mean, certainly there's some uncertainty that they're they're feeding and preying upon. But there's an awful lot of doom and gloom articles that get produced or, you know, these phony crises that get invented that – it's not clear that they're making a real negative impact. I mean, maybe a, a short term on something like the stock price or something. But if you look at since, you know, the iPhone 4 came out and there was Antenna Gate and, you know, all these things that happened and uh, people are saying it was this terrible design, whatever. You know, it's the most popular phone of the year. And then the iPhone 4S and everyone's like, oh, no, this is not interesting at all. It's so boring. I'm falling asleep just looking at it. And it's the most popular phone of the year. And here's the iPhone 5, and they're like, oh, nothing changed. You know, not, I'm not impressed at all. It's the most popular phone of the year. There's some disconnect between the importance that pundits think this you know, negative onslaught of news is having and the results in the market. 
So that's one aspect is that the negative stuff is not as, neg- not as powerful as they think it is. But the other thing is this false positive is, I think, far more dangerous. So you have a whole group of people who love Microsoft so much that they have just been lying about everything that's wrong with the company for years. And they've been saying, no, there's no problems and, you know, everything's going to go away. These PC sales are going to rebound as soon as Windows 7 comes out. And then it was as soon as Windows 8 comes out. And then as soon as, you know, it's on ARM and then Surface comes out. And you know, Microsoft is in a lot of trouble right now. They're, the empire that they've been standing on, this monopoly, is eroding rapidly. And there's no indication that things are going to turn around. So all this, like, false positive is really bad. The same thing for Google on Android. And people are talking about how great Android is and how wonderful it is that all these cheap phones that make no profits are running Android. Even though the people that are using these, you know, Android smartphones, the majority of them are not using them as a smartphone. One of the reasons they're buying those phones is the price. They can't afford the iPhone unlocked. They live in a place where there is no cell phone subsidy. Maybe they don't qualify for the credit. They don't want to get involved in long-term contracts. So they look for something that's cheap up front. And the iPhone 4 unlocked is what, four or $500? But you can get some of these other phones for a couple hundred dollars or so. So you do it because of the price, but it doesn't mean they're usable. Understand also that the iOS in terms of web share is much higher because more people use them for longer periods of time. Yeah, and if you look at the installed basis of Android, it's not budging away from Android 2.0, this you know gingerbread, gingerbread Froyo. There's still phones that are selling with Android. I mean, actually, the majority of phones, uh, these cheap phones that you're talking about, are coming with this old version of Android. Well, that doesn't really help Android in the same sense that you know, the Kindle Fire is selling in some quantity. We don't know how much because Android, you know, Amazon's not going to say. But it's not the same platform. It doesn't run all the same applications, and it doesn't have the same features. So it's really fractionalizing things, and it's, it's not great that there's this huge volume of phones being sold that are, is not pushing ahead Android as a platform. All the phones that Apple is selling run its latest operating system, iOS 6. And, of course, any one of those phones that can run 6 would have downloaded 6.1, which came out just a few days ago. That's the other thing, too. The percentage of people who use iOS devices and are running the latest and greatest operating system, well, it's a vast majority. Yes, there are a few older models that can't run the new operating system, but when it comes out, within weeks, a vast majority are using it. But anytime Google has a brand-new version of Android, the number of users is maybe 1% or 2% for several years. And the reason that's a problem is because the latest, greatest operating system, whether it's Apple's or Google's or whoever's, is what developers want to target, but the greatest percentage of the installed base is what they have to target to make any money. And in addition to that, you also have the side problem of all these people that have these um, cheap Android phones are not buying apps. They don't want to buy apps because it's, it's a cheaper demographic. They're not going to pay for media. They're not going to pay for anything. And so there's not this ecosystem around Android phones from any vendor that is encouraging people to write applications for it. And so that is also having a negative impact on the value of the platform. And when you look at Apple, Apple's doing a number of things that are strengthening its platform. And like you say, releasing an operating system for the majority of phones and making sure that it gets to them 
rapidly and gets installed and people are using the latest version means it's a lot easier to write software for iOS. It's a lot more financially rewarding. And so that's why you see all these new apps are showing up on iOS first. So it's a, you know, it's similar in some cases to Windows in the 90s in that you have a huge platform that is attracting development and there's increasingly less interest to write for anything else because there's not this huge critical mass of users that are going to buy the stuff. Also, because a lot of people are running the older operating systems, you cannot add the latest and greatest features or make the app more powerful to accommodate more efficient hardware. The other issue here is that if you look at the way iOS and iPhone sales are doing in the U.S., Apple is gaining share somewhat against Android, even though in Europe and other countries, Android is doing better. And I think a lot of that's still the price factor, the fact that you can get much cheaper devices with Android. And, and when you're talking about you know, the Android doing better, that's including this huge bunch of phones that are not really acting as smartphones. So if you, if you take the iPhone and compare it only to other phones of its class, you know, like the Galaxy 3 from Samsung, I, I've read something, I don't, I don't know exactly how accurate the numbers are because Samsung doesn't break out its sales, but only about a third of Samsung's phone sales are in the class of like iPhone-type hardware. The rest are these feature phones that are running you know, Android 2.x, and they're delivering an experience that's just not very good. And you know, there's a slower, older hardware, too. So you know, if, you have, if you have an iPhone 4, it doesn't do everything that the iPhone 5 does. It doesn't do HDR. It feels a lot slower. It doesn't, um, there's a variety of things that it doesn't do as well as Apple's latest, greatest phone. But it's still running the same software. So it runs the same apps, and you're you know you're you're in the group even if you're kind of trailing a little bit in, on in the hardware side, where these lower end Android phones are not only slower hardware, they're also running a totally different version of the operating system that doesn't look the same, it doesn't run, can't run the latest apps, and overall the satisfaction level of people buying that kind of phone is not going to they're not going to be as impressed as people who are buying an iPhone five and getting the latest greatest thing that's cooler. Now, some of the analysts are starting to realize that once people are invested in the iOS, it becomes expensive and not practical to move elsewhere. If you look at the surveys, the surveys always show iOS devices with a higher satisfaction rate, with a lower churn rate, with a higher number of people who will stick with the platform. And that means Apple continues to make gains against other platforms. Well, it's certainly, there is certainly a stickiness. I think it was... Um Brian White of Ticonderoga that used that phrase that, you know, once you're using a, a platform, you're more likely to buy another iPhone or, you know, an iPad or whatever. Uh, so certainly that I don't think there's that much of a, a barrier in terms of it's not like, you know, if you had a Windows computer and you bought all this Windows software, you're not going to be as likely to switch to a Mac because you have hundreds of dollars invested in software. So it's not that so much, but it is. While people are probably less likely to be worried about some 99-cent apps, there's a lot of apps that if you move to Android are not as good. So even like the big apps, you know, Facebook and Instagram, things like that, you're kind of stepping down. And there's all these new apps or new games or, you know, cool apps or higher-end apps that are just not available for Android. Or if there is sort of a placeholder version, it's not nearly as good. It's not updated as often. And it doesn't work as well. And the fact that Android has such fragmented hardware means that, you know, there's going to be like weird problems with working with the system that you have and whatever. So I think that's a bigger issue than, you know, people not being able to afford to switch. It's that people are realizing that there's really a quality difference. I've noticed, I've noticed 
I know of a number of people who have had an iPhone and switched to Android, and they switched back. <laughs> okay, because that's reverse churn. That's reverse churn. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger, who never talks in reverse. Joining Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. UtopiaSilver.com believes, as the Declaration of Independence states, that our rights come from God, not from government. The only lawful purpose of any government is to protect and secure the rights of the people, and no man or government has the authority to take what has been given to us by God. Among these rights are life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. And America's government has ceased to be the protector of liberty and of the people's God-given rights. But we, the people, can return America to greatness if we are willing to stand up and reassert our stolen rights. 
We ask that you join Utopia Silver in changing America's course in history. To save on health care and improve your health, call Utopia Silver at 888-213-4338. For a limited time, new customers will receive 50% off all colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. Been a while since he's been here. He's been on a bit of a hiatus, but he's back in the scheme of things. Lots of articles starting to appear at Roughly Drafted and also at AppleInsider.com. We're talking about how the market kind of overreacted, claiming Apple is in trouble when we don't see evidence of that. Now, the media also wants to tell us that Apple must produce a cheap iPhone. And this is the argument they made about Macs. This is the argument they always make, that Apple is putting millions and millions of sales on the table because they won't come out with cheap gear. I think there's a a danger of trying to come out with something too cheap. I remember when Apple was talking about, everyone was saying Apple had to come out with a $200 netbook, Mac netbook, to, to you know keep up with everybody in 2008. And Steve Jobs was saying, no, we don't, we don't think that's going to happen. We don't think we should push Mac sales down into the into that level because our DNA won't allow us to ship a piece of garbage, basically, he said. Um, but what Apple did do is they came out with the iPad, which essentially is a rethought form factor. Form factor. It's, it's kind of addressing the you know, $500 PC category, but it's done, doing it in a way that doesn't destroy Mac sales and creates an entirely new product category and actually has had a huge impact on PC sales. So they're they're taking away from PC sales and turning it into an iPad sale that they probably could not have done with the Mac. And so it was like this really brilliant way, in retrospect, if you're looking at it in hindsight, of coming out with a netbook that wasn't a netbook. And if you look at what people are saying about cheap iPhones, it's it's likely that instead of coming out with a cheap iPhone, it's plausible that they could come out with a cheaper version of the iPhone for developing markets, you know, like India and things like that, where you can't just you have sort of a value engineered device that isn't a huge drop in quality. You know, I don't think Apple's going to come out with something, you know, like a iPhone mini with a tiny screen that has four icons on it instead of, you know, a normal screen, but they could come out with something that is cheaper to produce and, you know, scale down, which is similar to what they're doing um, in other product lines. Um, so, I mean, there, there is a degree of plausibility and especially when addressing this, uh, the market for developing countries, and then also in the prepaid market, which is starting to happen in, even in the United States. It's more popular in Europe, and that's giving Android a hand, head up in countries like, well, like in the UK, where there's less of a culture of having your phone paid for by the phone company, and then you pay huge bills, so your phone price is subsidized. Uh, Apple benefits tremendously from subsidized phone pricing, but the phone, the iPhone isn't being subsidized in every country. In some places, like in Japan, when you buy a phone, you basically pay for it on an installment plan in addition to your phone contract. 
So instead of this, you know, getting a $450 subsidy that keeps you in your contract for four years, you pay for the phone over the life. So every month you pay for, you know, some of the phone and some of your service. So that's one model. And I think that's very similar to what Walmart is now doing with the iPhone. Well, the T-Mobile is supposed to give up subsidize and offer the thing on a time payment plan. So say you pay $20 a month for your iPhone. Yeah, so, so it's a $600 product and you make 30 payments or whatever, whatever it is. And then at the end of that period, you own the phone. But at the same time, once you finish paying off the phone and you can pay it up, up front if you want, you can at that point just go back to paying just the rate for your minutes. I mean, if you get a subsidized rate, say, with AT&T, Verizon Wireless, Sprint, whatever. Now, you could basically pay off the subsidy of your smartphone, but you pay that rate forever. It never changes. Yeah, so, you know, it's very likely that subsidies will change. But people who are freaking out saying, oh, Apple's going to, you know, they've been writing the subsidy thing, and as soon as subsidies go away, that no one's going to buy an iPhone anymore. Well, that's just not true. I mean, that's already happening in other countries, and it's not really the case. You go, you buy a phone in Germany, and, yeah, you drop $1,000 for your phone, and you pay less for service, but it's just a different model. And the iPhone's still selling there. So, yeah, I, I think that line of reasoning is very overblown. Whenever you have people coming up with stories about how what they want to have happen is going to happen, that's a really dangerous indication that somebody's making up an explanation of what they want to hear, what they want to have happen, as opposed to you know, looking at how things actually are and saying, well, this is what's actually happening. You know, it's kind of like the difference of science and, you know, just sort of a religious philosophy of I want this to happen, so I'm creating facts to support what I want to have happen. And so a lot of times if you read it, you know, what a columnist or, you know, some kind of pundit is writing, if you look at is this just kind of blindly supporting what he wants to have happen or is this really reflecting what is happening? It helps you to separate the wheat from the chaff pretty well. Very difficult to do that in this day and age because it looks like the media is playing a game. Now, look at what the Wall Street Journal did just a couple of weeks back, which I guess helped continue the Apple drop. They report this rumor from Asia, which actually started in December, that Apple cut back severely on orders for iPhone 5 displays. Now, also pay attention to what Tim Cook said during the quarterly conference call with financial analysts. And what was that? Very simple. He said that the figures, he didn't comment as to whether the figures were accurate. He said you can't use one single metric to make a guess about production or demand for a product. It's too complicated, the supply chain. You could move from one supplier to another. You might, because it's very difficult to produce product, over order, order more of the parts that you need, and as production efficiencies come into play, you need fewer parts. Yeah, this is not even new. I mean, over the last several years, there was they always do a thing where, you know, they come out with a new iPad, for example, and they're producing huge amounts of iPads to, to have an inventory to start with. And then they can cut production so that it's like they're, they're producing in, in connection with demand. Um, but you have to have this huge inventory to stock your channel first. Um, so when you see fluctuations in supply and rumors and stuff, it, it doesn't mean exactly what the person who's interpreting it as just obvious facts says. But there has been a lot of reporting, and it's really bad when you have, you know, sort of legitimate-sounding news organizations reporting facts and then interpreting them in ways that don't 
aren't really accurate. I mean, they're, they're really dishonest when you're throwing out sort of factoids and drawing a conclusion between them that just does not work. I mean, it's not really true. And one thing I noticed is a lot of shareholders were complaining about Apple not pouncing on every time somebody comes up with one of these stories and disproving it and it's causing their stock to drop. <laughs> it's not Apple's responsibility to police the media. They can't. And if Tim Cook takes it upon himself to respond to every false rumor then he's not going to be doing his job. He's going to be inducing more false rumors. You can't have a debate like that. That debate you can't win because whatever you say, they will answer you. You can't stop them from answering you. You can't stop them from saying, well, Cook is just giving you a lot of spin. But very few members of the media paid attention to what Cook said in the quarterly conference call with financial analysts explaining that changes in the supply chain may not indicate what you think they indicate unless you understand the whole picture and nobody outside of apple can possibly understand that we understand daniel aaron dilger of roughly drafted magazine joining gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live are you tired of searching for great talk radio more important search no more we are the gcn radio network whether it's personal mail whether it's business email you want reliable dependable delivery freedom from spam freedom from viruses well polaris mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage an easy to use webmail interface and full mobile sync sign up today for a 30-day free trial at polarismail.com polarismail.com so here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. 
Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker is 2013 your year to achieve more more vitality more health, more well-being. Hi, this is Pastor Jenny. For 25 years, I spent my life's work teaching others how to achieve more. But in 2010, I got a lesson of my own about RNA drops. I learned that there are millions of gene switches latent in every single cell of my body that are waiting for an activator. I learned by taking RNA drops, I could begin to activate that power in my cells and achieve the more that I desire. I'd like to share what I discovered with you and send you a free 30-day supply of RNA drops valued at $50 for just the cost of shipping and handling. Go to rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call me toll-free at 888-577-3703. That's 888-577-3703. rnafreesample.com. Discover the more that's waiting for you. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl live, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine talking about the media, curious media and Wall Street reaction to Apple reporting a record quarter, but it wasn't a record quarter enough. So there you go. But we have a lot more to talk about. And let's focus on a few other things that have happened at the same time. Let's look at Microsoft. Microsoft reporting, obviously, problems with the upgrade to Windows 8. They didn't have this stellar quarter in the December quarter rolling out a new operating system. Is this worse, Daniel, than it was with Windows Vista? Well, it's a, it's a evolving problem. Windows Vista was a dramatic change in a product that has had almost become a utilitarian kind of service type product. People bought Windows kind of no matter what, they were just buying a new computer. And then all of a sudden it became this huge, like it changes your computer into a totally different product that works differently and requires different drivers. And it was a huge shock. When they came out with Windows 7, it was calmed things down a little bit. But if you look at PC sales historically, Windows sales, there was a peak that Vista created a drop-off and Windows 7 created a recovery that did not re-achieve the ascent of Windows sales. And nobody nobody seems to realize this. But since Windows 7, there's been this like trailing off of the talk about the PC market is contracting. That's a pretty big problem because that's a wave that Microsoft has been riding for the last 15 years. And if your wave is going away... You're not going to be able to surf very high. That's a problem. 
Now look and also at Dell. And Dell is having problems. They're now trying to go private. And we have these reports that Microsoft is going to get involved financially. But, you know, if I'm the head of Asus or Acer or Lenovo or even HP, what's Microsoft doing putting money into Dell? What's that all about? Somebody wrote that Dell, Microsoft needs a healthy Dell. And <laughs> I thought it was funny because, like, Microsoft needed a healthy Nokia, too. But, you know, needing that doesn't make it true, you know, doesn't solve the problem. If you listen to Michael Dell talking about why he wants to take Dell private, it's because he wants to turn it into a services company and focus on the enterprise. Not that he wants to build more consumer PCs in a market where there's no profits. And there's no need for a Dell PC. If tomorrow Dell stopped producing PCs, who cares? There are dozens of other companies who make generic PCs that are just as good or bad or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty sure Dell's shareholders care about that. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's true that PC makers are making a commodity product, and there's not a lot of value in that. And so if a bunch of companies in China can produce the same thing for cheaper, you're going to be out of sales. So unless you're creating something, unless there's some sort of innovation going on where you're really creating a new product or giving people a reason to buy your version of the PC, then, you know, that makes sense. And what Apple has done is created a, a totally new version of the PC. You know, they talk about post-PC. What, what Apple really did was rethink the PC. And look at what people were, were struggling with. This is not even a secret. I mean, one of the things Steve Jobs pointed out was that working with files and folders is really confusing to the majority of people. They don't get it. They don't get a hierarchical filing system. Now, if you're sort of a technical person, it's not that hard to figure out. But the majority of people don't get it. And so when you have Apple saying, you know, there's just no file system on iOS that's visible to the user anymore. And now when you work with files, they're just pictures and they're there and everything works and it's in the cloud and it's on your device and everything just is there. You can just work with stuff and you work with it here and it changes on your computer as well. That's something that they're addressing a real problem that people had and delivering value that people are going to come back and buy more for because they've solved a problem for them. Now, Microsoft comes out with the Surface and they're saying, we have the same thing as the PC, same files and folders. Well, they don't even understand what the problem is and they're not addressing it. They're staunchly indicating that they're ready to stay in the 90s as the clock marches into the 2010s. And that tells you something about, you know, Microsoft's vision is in the past. And Google is doing the same thing with Android. And there's like, we're doing all the stuff that Apple erased from the iOS platform, making sure that you have doodly management of all your applications and the amount of memory they're using and the file system. And you, you have access to all this stuff that people don't want to deal with. Majority of people don't want to deal with. All no. they did basically was take Windows, give it this crazy interface, used to be called Metro, and produce the same product on ARM. It's the same product, except it doesn't run Windows apps. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, basically, they, Metro to me just looks like the web. It's, a, it's you know, a web page. It's like this simple kind of way to interact with a web page. A dumbed-down web page that kind of looks like the 1980s in terms of artwork. But if you think about it, the, the reason why the web is valuable, and you know, web browsers, obviously the web is very valuable, but the value of the web is cross-platform ability to create a marketing message or you know, put out a funny picture or something that you can see if you're on a smartphone or a Mac or a PC or an Android device or anything. You can interact with different things. So the cross-platform bit of the web is it's the obvious value of the web. 
is that it's cross-platform and works anywhere. It's the web. It's its own platform. But the web itself is not a great platform. It's certainly not a great platform for applications. And Google's idea with everything, Chrome and Android kind of combined, is to make it sort of a, a vehicle for the web. But the web is not a very good platform for rich application development. If you compare any sort of desktop class application with a web version of it, so if you compare Mail or Outlook or something with Webmail, the majority of people are going to go for an app. And that's a lot of the reason why people like iOS is because there's real apps and there's a lot of actual development of good applications. It's not relying on the web. And if you look at everyone else, that's, that's a really difficult thing to do. Apple built a very difficult thing, creating a, an entire platform unto itself for mobile applications. And they delivered a lot of great applications, and they made it easy for third parties to, to deliver great applications that are consistent and work a certain way and are work reliably. And people can f- figure out an iOS app rapidly because they all work and look the same. Now, what Android is doing is saying, you can do whatever you want. We're bas- basically, Android took Java and cleaned up some of the difficult parts of it and said, here's your platform. You can make apps that look any way you want. We're going to make some apps that look any way they want. So you have this sort of ugly platform that looks sort of webish and sort of DOSish and sort of Windowsish, and and you're running out of ishishish. Yeah, there haven't been that many successful platforms, but Android is kind of a hodgepodge of all of the worst bits of all of them. I mean, it has the complexity and sort of difficulty of the PC, and it has the security issues of and sort of the low performance for things like games of the web. It isn't a great platform for developing apps. And that's why you don't see great apps going to it. I mean, the only reason to really develop for Android is because you're ideologically attracted to the concept behind Android. Unfortunately, Android doesn't deliver upon that ideology because Android in general has failed. There is one company that is doing well with Android, and that is Samsung. And the reason they're doing well with Android is because they're copying Apple, not because they have Android. So Android is not the reason why Samsung is doing or has been doing well over the last couple of years. And if you look going forward... Samsung faces a lot of issues. So all this rah-rah about how Android is doing really well, it's like, well, it's really tied to one company. And didn't Samsung warn that profit margins would be eroding after last quarter? I remember that. Yes, they said going forward that basically made comments saying that the, you know, the high, higher profit end of the market in, in sort of like in the Western markets is getting to the point of where it's saturated. And so the growth that they're expecting to see is happening in other markets the developing countries where they're not going to be selling expensive phones to those people. They're going to be selling lower margin phones. So they're, they're, they're in kind of a Microsoft position of having lots of market share and realizing that going forward, they're not going to be able to expand in exponentially like they have been. And so they're running into the Microsoft problem after two years instead of after 10 years like Microsoft did. That's one problem they're facing. Another problem they're facing is half the volume of their components were being sold to a reliable customer, Apple. And Apple is now working really hard to diversify its component orders. It appears that they're taking their A-series SOCs to Taiwan Semiconductor. And if they do that, then Samsung is going to have a huge production capacity that they're not going to be able to fill with Apple orders. We'll get into more of this in a moment with Daniel Aaron Dilger. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed, but if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. Land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have a little more time to spend with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And we're focusing now on not just Apple, but the competitors about problems that Microsoft has with Windows 8, the fact that nobody cares. And we're also seeing here that if Apple departs from using Samsung, Samsung has all that production capacity that goes to waste. What do they do? Well, it's not just their production capacity lying idle, which is a problem. It's also that Apple is sort of subsidizing Samsung's own chips. So, you know, Samsung is making all of its own chips and they're manufacturing all the chips for Apple. That's a huge bunch of chips to be making because that's, you know, the two biggest smartphone producers right now that have what together like 70 percent of the market something like that i mean it's it's a lot of a lot of (laughs) a lot of production is samsung's producing all a lot of the core chips so if you lose half that business then the cost of producing just your own chips goes up pretty significantly because you're losing half of your economies of scale and people don't seem to be recognizing that the same thing is happening in software with maps you know, people are talking about, people just love to talk about how Apple is so hurting from having criticism of its maps. But if you look at Apple's maps, Apple took half of the market share from Google because Google now has, you know, basically a monopoly position for Android and no position. I mean, they have to ask for every sale on iOS. It's interesting also to note with regard to maps that Tim Cook said that since Maps for iOS 6 came out, many more people are using it than previous versions. Doesn't that go against the meme that there's something seriously wrong with Maps and people aren't using it? I haven't seen anyone try to detail that Apple, that people haven't been using Maps. I mean, there's a lot of like general, oh, I found something that's in the wrong place. It's like, well, have has that never occurred to you with Google Maps? Because I've been using Google Maps and I've been comparing Apple Maps to Google Maps. And Google Maps is really not very good with POI information. Google has a very strong uh, lead in terms of search. So if you search for something spelled wrong, Google will far more likely give you, did you mean this type response, and give you some valid information. Um, Apple search is kind of hit and miss, even even when when you spell it right. Um, But the, the POI information of both is pretty bad in different ways. I mean, so some of Apple's stuff is just randomly in the wrong place. Or, I mean, we're talking about, like, something like 5 to 10% of locations seem to be, like, either slightly in the wrong place or, or down the street or something. Um, I was just doing a study looking at, you know, trying to quantify something that nobody else has quantified and looking in places in San Francisco. And so Apple has some just random stuff that's just not in the right place. 
and I was looking at Google stuff, and they also have some stuff that's not in the right place, but when it's in the right place or when it's in the wrong place, it's way in the wrong place. So you look for a popular restaurant, and it's like so far away that you couldn't even find it if you if you walk to a location. It's not like it's a couple of doors down or something. It's like in a different, totally different place. I have a situation like that almost where I try to find a local health food store in the Mesa, Tempe, Gilbert area of Arizona, okay? And I mapped it out on Google Maps, and they were two miles short of the absolute destination. Yeah, I mean, maps is a really difficult thing to do. It it seems kind of obvious because we have expectations of how things should be. I mean, they should all be perfect, of course. But it's really difficult to get a lot of mapping things correct because there's a lot of information that's just wrong. And mapping is a lot more complicated than one would think if you just look at it. Um, Some of the other things I was looking at was directions. And what people are doing is... Well, you know, with any GPS product, if you just blindly go to where it tells you to go, it's, you know, you you may be in trouble. I drove for the first time in Europe. I mean, I've driven in Europe before, but I I rented a car and I I drove across several countries. And I was blindly in a lot of cities that I've never driven in before. I was blindly following Apple's maps directions. And it worked. And it, it worked well to the point where it was competitive with having a, you know, native person sitting next to me telling me where to drive. I mean, it's, it's very good. And part of that comes from um, the visuals of, of Apple's maps are very good. And um, the directions are on par with Google's. Google's directions are pretty good, too. I mean, they're, they're, I would say they're, they're equally good in how they're telling you to get somewhere. And Google's voice sounds a little bit more natural. Um, but in terms of, basically, Google has a seven-year-old product, and Apple's first version is extremely competitive in the, the parts that Apple focused on, which is directions, and showing you a map, and this kind of eyes-free thing they're doing of, of being able to just follow the voice. Um, it's very good. So some of these other areas like search, Apple's probably going to trail out Google and search for a while. And... Um, in POI data, I wish Apple would do better in that regard. I don't know exactly how to fix that, but I mean, clearly Apple's working on it, but I think they're going to have to devote more into it than they currently are. Because, I mean, Google doesn't really care either. People have this assumption that Google's maps are just amazing, and it's like, Google doesn't really even care. Google just needs it to be serviceable enough so that you're using it, and if you're using it, they can show you ads. But Google's products are not really that good. And I think part of it is that people people feel like Google's not producing a product for them. I think everybody understands that Google's business is ads. And they think that if I can if I can somehow for free benefit from Google's business so that I'm getting free maps and this great search engine that just finds stuff for me on the internet while it shows me ads then that's wonderful. It's like watching over-the-air TV. You don't pay for anything. You can watch something that's kind of crap, but it's free. Whereas when you get something from Apple, you're paying for it. So you, you buy a fancy phone, and you have Apple's Maps on it, and you're like, hey, this isn't as wonderful as I imagined it could be. So people have a very different set of expectations for Apple than they do for Google because people expect Apple stuff to be perfect and amazing, and people are happy that Google stuff works at all. So diminished expectations is what involves Google. I wasn't knocked out by the voice descriptions at Google. 
I'll tell you why. I think, number one, they're brief, not as descriptive as Siri with maps. I'm talking about the U.S. examples here. Now, maybe in Europe it's very different. But I wasn't impressed with Google's voice, and therefore I didn't like it. Also, in using the Google Maps, I find it will get directions right, you know, pretty much all the time, except for those few instances that I've encountered, such as the health food store that left me two miles short of my destination. But they don't always give you the best route. It's always a little bit roundabout. So, you know, I'd look at the area that I'm driving through and I'd say, you know what? I could take this route and go straight to the destination, not make seven turns, which, of course, may be the same number of miles. But because of the turns and the traffic lights, it takes me longer to get there. Yeah, it really depends on if you're driving somewhere where you're familiar with a place. Like if I'm driving in San Francisco, a GPS is almost annoying because it, it it's you know, telling you things that you just, if you know a place really well, having someone else give you directions is just ridiculous. But if, you, if you're driving somewhere where you don't know anything, having a logical route plotted out that's smarter than just looking at the map and drawing a line is very useful. Um, in terms of one of the other big differences I know is between Apple and Google is when you, when you first search for a place, Apple shows you on the map several routes of how they could get there. And maybe they're not always perfect, but at least it shows you, you can go this way, this way, this way. And you pick one of them, and then it starts showing you that directions. Google gives you a textual listing of this will take 11 minutes, this will take 12 minutes, this will take 13 minutes, and it'll give you sort of a, a very vague description of, you know, the highway or whatever it's taking to get you there. And it's not visual. And so when I look at what the options Google's offering me, I don't know really what they are. When I look at what Apple's showing me, I can, I can look at it, and if I'm familiar with an area, I can say, okay, this is... You know, it's, it's giving me this option, but that's a stupid option, so I'm going to pick this one. And so, you have to also look at the fact that we still can't believe Apple because the Hoover Dam used to be melting and the Statue of Liberty didn't look right. Yeah, that's kind of silly. I've also looked at a number of other places where, in directions, um, in some cases, Google is better at, if there's a temporary road closure, Google will show you on the map that that's closed, and Apple won't. So, for example, they're working on one of the streets downtown. It's, it's blocked off. Apple's saying, turn here. You just don't turn there, and then it finds you other set of directions. So in cases like that, it's incorrect, but it's not that big of a deal because it recalculates a route when you don't turn there. Um, conversely, Google in, it, it insists on telling me to turn onto the freeway in this place where you're not supposed to turn. It's, it's illegal, and there's like four or five signs that say, do not turn onto the freeway, even though it looks like on the map you could do it. I just wonder about the police, though where someone gets arrested for making the illegal turn, and they say, well, Google said it was okay, so I thought it was. We have well, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider with Gene Steinberg in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. We focused on maps, Apple versus Google, various platforms, and all that. One more thing. So... Research in Motion is no longer Research in Motion. It is now BlackBerry. So at least you know what the company is. When it was RIM or Research in Motion, unless you knew they made the BlackBerry, what would you think they made? Bicycles? Okay, so they're rebranding themselves. They're trying to come out with a better all-touch Z10 smartphone. BlackBerry comes out with this new product, the Z10 smartphone. They also have a touch version with a physical keyboard and a new operating system, BlackBerry 10 does BlackBerry rebranded, reinvigorate itself? If BlackBerry came out with a an exceptional product that was just did things that you could not do in any other smartphone and was useful in a way that just transcended everything in the market, they would have a very difficult time winning sales because they're they're selling against a lot of products that are pretty good. So Apple is like, you know, a lot of people love love iOS. Um, Android is like good enough for a lot of people. Windows Mobile is good enough to sell in some quantity. You know, there's a a few million copies of, you know, people willing to buy a a Windows Mobile phone. If you look at when the iPhone came out, Palm was crap. People hated it. It was old. It was like five years old and not going anywhere. It was in the garbage bin for five years when the iPhone came out. Uh, Windows Mobile was a piece of garbage. People hated it. People even that loved Microsoft hated Windows Mobile. Symbian was just this piece of crap that was outdated. It was like five years old and kind of moribund. And just in general, Java was this mess. I mean, smartphones, when the iPhone appeared, were garbage. And so it was very easy for Apple to say, here's an exceptionally new thing that transcends everything else out there. And you know, they started ramping up sales. And it was like a few million, and then it was like millions, and then it was 
suddenly the phone that everybody was wanting to get because it heard good things about it. Well, BlackBerry is not entering the market in 2007. And if they were, they would probably be doing, you know, performing similar to how Apple was in 2007, you know, incrementally selling millions of phones. Now, I want to just raise one thing before you do that. Our previous guest, Roy Choi from Techno Buffalo, mentioned one thing here. One of the problems with Research in Motion, now BlackBerry, was when the iPhone came out, they were invested in physical keyboards. They thought the iPhone was a flash in the pan. They didn't take it seriously to their detriment. Yes, a number of people were saying that. And there were a number of people that really liked and still like to have to be able to text type with their thumbs. But the things that the iPhone could do apart from that, I mean, physical keyboards are useful in, in a lot of cases. It's, it's nice to be able to type fast, and a lot of times it's hard to type on a screen as fast. But when you, when you do a full cost comparison, if you put physical keyboard on one side, and on the other side you have a web browser that actually works, and the, you know, the iPod, and the ability to play all these games and apps and new stuff that's happening, physical keyboard doesn't even matter anymore. And so you say, was the physical keyboard important? And it was important to BlackBerry's customers in, in, you know, leading up to 2007. And a lot of them continued to think it was important for a couple of years. And they realized, oh, it's not that important. I would rather have apps and a real web browser and all these other things that iOS has. So, yeah, I mean, you can have one feature that's good. But if that's all you have, it doesn't matter because there's so many other things. And if you look back at any other any other comparison of a product that failed, um, you know, in the 90s, the Mac didn't do very well. It just, like, kept failing and failing and failing until, you know, the company reinvented itself later. But part of that, you know, Apple had a lot of pluses. You know, they had a real, you know, they had things like QuickTime, and they had a, a real interface that worked really well and was consistent and smart and wasn't junk. But there was a lot of things that they didn't have. They didn't have the latest apps. They didn't have the latest things people were doing. They didn't jump on the games bandwagon. And there was a, there's a lot of things that just overwhelmingly tipped the scales into the favor of um, the Windows PC. And so when you do a cost comparison, you have to look at everything, not just one feature. And Apple hit the market at a time when there was um, the, the things that people cared about in 2007 were obliterated by the iPhone. And the complaints that people have about the iPhone are obliterated by, you know, the power of the iPhone, the, the things you can do with the iPhone. So for anyone that's trying to get started in the market, whether it's Microsoft or BlackBerry or, you know, if Samsung's trying to start over with its own platform because they don't like the problems that they're having with Android, they're going to face huge problems because we're not in 2007 and all smartphones aren't crap anymore. Now, if BlackBerry were making a, a TV, <laughs> that might be a different situation because, you know, TVs are crap. If you're entering a market where everything is crap, it's easy to stand out. But if you're entering a market where everything is going pretty well, it's like selling an operating system in, you know, 1995 or, you know, 19, you know 1999. Guess what? You're going to have a lot of difficulty because you're going up against Microsoft. And if you, you know want to be number two, then you're going against Apple. So you can be a distant number three. You can be the Amiga or something. But it's a really hard place to be. And, you know, I haven't even looked a lot at the new BlackBerry 10. 
because it's kind of, you know, it has a lot of similarities to Palm OS. They put a lot of effort into coming out with something they thought would be a really good idea. It had, you know, features that people liked, but it was hitting the market at a time when Apple was very strong. Android was delivering things that people wanted and there just wasn't room. And that was 2009. It's like three or four years later and BlackBerry thinks they're going to enter the market with an amazing product and turn a lot of heads. People aren't looking for something new in the overall market. So, you know, they're going to impress a lot of pundits. There's going to be a lot of people that are excited about it, like they were about Palm OS, but that doesn't translate into consumer excitement because consumers are pretty happy with what they got right now. And it's going to be really difficult to turn heads at this point in the game. The reviews I've read, preliminary reviews or hands-on of the Z10, for example, they say, well, it seems to have some nice ideas and the hardware looks decent. But the interface is still a little bit ragged and the performance is a bit ragged. And how do you sit there with a product that is, in terms of utility, six months or a year behind and gain a foothold on the marketplace? You have to be better. You can't just be almost as good or worse. Yeah, and the other thing they're going to be competing with over the next year as they tool around with it is Apple is going to be spending a year improving iOS, too. And, you know, Google's going to be working on Android, and even Microsoft's going to be working on Windows Mobile. And, you know, if you look at what Windows, or, you know, Windows Phone, if you look at Windows Phone when it came out, there was a lot of optimism around it. And then a year went by and nothing really happened. And then they were trying to get excited about, you know, Windows Mobile 8. And it's like, well, in a year, you haven't gone from your starting position to you haven't outpaced the rest of the market. If, if, if Microsoft had entered the market with Windows Phone 7 and then in one year had delivered the equivalent of 10 years of iOS development, then they could stand a chance at getting ahead. Apple hit the market in 2007 with a product that had a lot of flaws in it. There were a lot of things that the iPhone just couldn't do when it appeared that other phones could do. But what Apple did have was outweighed those so having a great web browser is kind of more important than being able to, you know, text a picture. Hey, Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more about the things that you write about. I write on Roughly Drafted, roughlydrafted.com and appleinsider.com. And honestly, most of the stuff that Daniel does will appear at appleinsider.com. And you have to get back to doing more stuff for roughlydrafted.com, don't you think? Yeah, I should put my stories on there. There's also the Apple Insider now has a iPhone and iPad app that makes it kind of nice. It's kind of like a, a, it's a native app, so it's nicer to browse stories and comment and things like that. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the survival seed vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Feeling like there are too many pressures and demands on you? Losing sleep, worrying about tests and schoolwork? Eating on the run because your schedule is just too busy? You may be under too much stress, and it may be affecting your mind. Get your mental edge back with Nootropic Mind Power from MindRegard.com. Nootropic Mind Power is not a drug, but a natural supplement. Its 12 powerful ingredients are natural and non-GMO, plus it's gluten-free, wheat-free, and formulated by Americans for Americans by an NSF-certified laboratory. Nootropic Mind Power is available at mindregard.com, spelled M-I-N-D-R-E-G-A-R-D.com, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Free your mind with Nootropic Mind Power Cognitive Supplement from mindregard.com. Mind Regard. Clearly see tomorrow and yesterday. Today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us in the final three segments of the Tech Night Out Live this week. I guess the first subject to talk about is Apple's fall. Or is there a fall, or is it just Wall Street maybe overreacting? How does Apple look in terms of what you've seen in terms of sales and everything? You know, we don't really see what Wall Street sees. Of course, I'm not a financial analyst. I'm an industry analyst. And in my view, there's pretty much nothing wrong with what Apple is doing. They remain a leader in most markets they're in. They're growing faster than the market in most of those markets, or at a minimum, growing at the market or the dominant player there. So we don't really see any signs of this big problem that Wall Street seems to be focused on. So is it all here that just a little bit of news one way or the other can just throw the street for a loop? Again, you know, I'm not a stock analyst. I don't pretend to understand the market or the vagaries. Right, and, and nor do I. I find it all incredibly frustrating. A lot of people who talk about Apple and the industries they're in without really understanding what's going on in there and using metrics to judge things that I would find to be kind of odd or, or inaccurate. Look, again, Apple is killing everybody in almost every place that they're in. There isn't one company in tech that wouldn't trade places in, in the hardware side of the world, that wouldn't trade places with Apple in, you know, in the nanosecond. The whole idea that there is all these fundamental issues with Apple, you know, their problems are problems we would all like to have, which is we're such a big company that growing at significant rates the way we have in the past is the equivalent of adding, you know, the GDP of a small country every quarter. And that's not easy to do. Well, also, I think Apple will soon run out of people on Earth, and they will have to expand to another star system. <laughs> that's likely, too, although I think that's probably a little further off than uh, either one of us are likely to see. Well, you never know. Apple may have their new invention, the Starship, the right, iStarship. Right, right. Maybe that would require them to work with uh, Jeff Bezos and some other people who are involved in a lot of space uh, endeavors, and that's probably not going to happen. But it's so funny, then, of course, is that Amazon shows very little profit most of the time. Their profit was down, but they weren't hurt. It was just Apple. Oh, well, how you know, can you comment on that? Yeah, you know, um, the Amazon question is one that's, that's much broader than just Apple. You know, Amazon may compete with Apple. They compete with Google. They compete with Best Buy and Walmart. You know, the metrics that Wall Street uses to judge them are very different than the metrics that they use to judge uh, everybody else. And as an industry analyst, I can say the Amazon's doing very well in what they're trying to do, but clearly there are um, different standards being placed on them than are placed on most of their competitors. Well, certainly also with Samsung. Samsung has much lower profits than Apple, but they're in a lot more markets, and they're also building lots of cheap gear. And I guess that's the question that Apple is confronting. There are reports now that Apple might be considering a cheaper iPhone, but if you go cheap... You give up a lot of your profits unless you make Yeah, junk. well, I, I have a fundamental issue with people who say that Samsung is building cheap gear or that they run and are focused on lower end or they don't build good stuff. For the most part, around the world, Samsung is a premier brand. Um, again, you're comparing, you know, a company that almost always gets a 20 or 40% premium over everybody versus 
the next best company in the entire marketplace. Just to understand, Stephen, I'm not saying that Samsung makes junk because I've owned Samsung products and they're all great. I'm saying but Samsung plays in a whole range of price spectrums. So they have lower cost phones, they have feature phones, they have not just a couple of models, but I don't know, dozens of different models in any particular product category, right. from smartphones to flat panel TVs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Apple doesn't play in the cheap game, except, I guess, for the $49 iPod. So, again, all of this is about judgments and metrics. Apple only has a couple of SKUs in every category they're in. They don't create many, many products to address hundreds of different market niches or very specific opportunities. They go for the big bang. They want to sell their best device to as many people as they want. And that is their strategy versus other people's strategy, which is to have many devices that address many different users in many different ways. Both of those strategies are fine. Apple's is unique. Very few companies are able to do that. So again, comparing what they do or trying to get them to change and do things that their competitors do is clearly, in my view, mistaken. They don't need to do those kind of things. That's not their DNA. That's not the kind of company they are. And that's not how they go about addressing markets. Well, of course, you see a lot of eccentric comments like, for example, well, they're not executing as well as they used to. They're not revolutionizing a market every three months. Therefore, let's fire Tim Cook. Well, NPD had a, we, we did some survey work right before the holiday. We had a reception at CES where we talked a lot about what innovation means to the uh, industry. And there's a lot of different ways you can go there. But in my mind, I don't find Apple to be any less innovative than they've ever been. Um, you know, too many people focus on innovation as being some great big new product category. Whereas my view on innovation is how does a company think about its approach to the market and its consumers and how they provide a better approach, a better product, and a more useful product to their consumers over time. That, to me, is the key of innovation, and I think Apple is very innovative in how it approaches distribution channels and how it upgrades and provides different kinds of products, how it doesn't try to sell 400 different SKUs to a market, but really focuses on just a couple so it can do its best job on that. Those are all very, very innovative ways of going to market. Innovative is not creating the iPhone every five years because those kind of things just don't happen. Well, that's the issue, too. You can't expect a new iPhone, a complete revolutionary technique with the iPhone every year, every hour, because look, for example, we have the iPod in 2001, the iPhone in 2007, the iPhone iPad in 2010, the Mac in 1984. So these are product categories that are still going. So you can't just turn up the market and turn over the market every few months. No company could do that because, number one, it would just confuse the heck out of everybody, if nothing else. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty much in agreement there. I think there's clearly opportunities for them, the other businesses that can be disrupted. And by the way, I'd add their retail stores as being an innovation and a whole different way of doing things as well. Again, innovation doesn't have to be about product. And I think the biggest miss that Wall Street people 
think to have is that they don't really understand the consumer electronics business, nor do they understand where the consumer electronics business is today versus where it was a few years ago, and they clearly don't understand what Apple's place and its strength is in the business. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $34.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans. And it's perfect if you're traveling or away from home. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters, check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed. Guaranteed. But if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214. 866-716-5214. Afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us here in the Tech Night Out Live. We've been focusing on how Apple is doing versus the perceptions of how Apple is doing. But, of course, we ought to talk about other companies. So, for example, Microsoft. Now, what kind of figures, if any, did you receive about the sales of the Surface during the holiday season? I heard one report that said it wasn't very good. So we have some sales numbers that we're not, we don't release uh, specific sales on specific items. But, you know, I think if you can just look out at the sales numbers that are out there, the trends, um, the, the surface didn't change the trajectory of the marketplace. We don't see this huge run-up in, in a lot of opportunities right now in the Windows tablet market, if that's what the surface is. I mean, you can make a pretty good argument that it's really a notebook and not a tablet, but it's been an interesting, innovative, different product. I think Microsoft is very smart for doing it. It hasn't been, I think, as successful as they would have liked, but I think it really did spur a lot of thinking and thought-provoking ideas that we'll likely see the results of in the long term. Now, there is a quote in CNET from iSupply suggesting that Microsoft built 1.25 million surfaces during the holiday season and sold 55 to 60 percent of them. Now, you're saying you can't obviously release your results, but can you say those figures may I'm be not going to comment. I'm not okay. going to comment on what okay. other research firms may or may not have. We get exact sales numbers, so we have a pretty good idea what goes on. But we don't comment on other people, and again, we don't release sales of specific items. Okay. All right. But again, if it isn't doing super well, which you have no, to, no, no. Okay. Again, you know, we would be seeing much better uh, sales results for the most part. You know, Windows eight device sales results compared to previous weeks or months have been running consistently negative through the holiday and into the first part of the year. So, uh, you know, we really haven't seen a change in that trajectory. Now, as we pointed out a number of times, we haven't seen any negative 
impact. We haven't seen, you know, there's all this discussion about people hate Windows 8 or they don't want to buy it or, um, you know, they refuse. Well, you know, we don't see that in the sales numbers because, um, you know, we haven't seen the trend line get any worse for Windows 8 notebooks. We haven't seen it get any better, but we haven't seen it get any any worse for Windows 8, I should say, Windows 8 devices, not just notebooks. So I think the, the net impact and the biggest issue with Windows 8 has been there was expectations that it would help improve the marketplace and maybe turn you know, negatives into positives, and that hasn't happened. What about the possibility or expectation that people who buy PCs of Windows 8 will simply downgrade to Windows 7? Consumers don't do that. Real consumers don't do that. Bloggers and, you know, techies do that maybe, but your mother isn't going to do that. Your neighbor isn't going to do that. The vast majority of consumers don't even have any idea that that's even possible, nor would they try to figure out how to do it. That's just an Internet fallacy that runs around because a lot of people don't really understand the consumer market. Okay, but are you seeing anything in terms of consumer reactions to Windows 8 that would indicate a negative? No. Again, we haven't seen any, we haven't seen sales get any worse since Windows 8 came out. The sales trends have remained the exact same as we saw when, uh, throughout 2012. We talked to retailers and other people. We haven't heard, for the most part, we've heard nothing about, you know, increased returns or more dissatisfaction with products or anything like that. You know, we haven't heard of any, any issues in that regard either. So, you know, I think it's just been a, I won't say a non-entity, but it's just been a transition. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things and one of the big mistakes we all made, and, you know, I'll, I'll own up to mistakes when I make them as well, is that I think we all thought that, you know, this was a Windows release and Windows 8 releases changed the marketplace. But, you know, we're in a different era than 2000. Seven or 2009, certainly. And the fact of the matter is, is when a new operating system comes out for the most part, whether it's a iOS operating system or a new Mac operating system or an Android upgrade, they just kind of happen. They don't necessarily spur this great big rush on new products or new devices. And I think that's the way consumers are viewing this as well, is it's just an upgrade to what was out there before. So that doesn't fuel the sales at all. It just is neutral, is what I'm gathering from you. That's what we see. Okay. Does that mean also that operating systems are not these days fueling upgrades as they might have done in the past? We don't think so. Okay. Now, let's move to another product category. Let's get away from the Mac and the Windows and the stuff. Smartphones. Research in Motion becomes BlackBerry. Does that make a difference, changing the name like that? Yeah, because it's much easier for all of us to remember. Uh, you know, Research in Motion didn't mean anything to anybody. You know, why not use the company name as the iconic product name like that? You know, it didn't make any sense to have a different company name for years and years. Uh, so, you know, while it's just cosmetic, I think it, you know, kind of reflects the company rethinking and, you know, refocusing on what's really important. Okay, so they're refocusing with the new BlackBerry operating system version 10. We've got two different smartphones, one all-touch, one the traditional physical keypad. 
So what's the reaction here? So far, I've read some of the reviews, and it seems that it's a decent enough product, but is it maybe not decent enough to basically resurrect BlackBerry? Well, um, what I would say is if you go back to the middle of 2012 to towards till the end of October or so, 2012, and you read all the reviews of Windows 8, uh, you could probably, in most cases, stick the word BlackBerry in and take the words Windows 8 out, and you would get the same kind of review. Really good, very different, interesting, works great, very in- interesting and innovative, does a lot of things differently, but probably not enough to change where the market is going. You know, Windows 8, which is universally liked by most analysts and product reviewers that I've seen, doesn't seem at this point to be getting, you know, the kind of traction I'm sure Microsoft would like. And, um, you know, the BlackBerry, as you point out, you know, seem to be getting mostly pretty good reviews. And obviously we'll see what the traction is going to be there. But, uh, you know, it feels a lot like the same kind of, uh, you know, churning up of muddy waters that we saw with um, with Windows 8 phone. So it may be a question here of being really good, but whether it's good enough to unseat iOS and Android, that is the big question, and that might be right. where well, the concerns are. Yeah, let me just let me rephrase that a little bit. Sure. Because it isn't about the quality of the product. It isn't about being good enough to unseat anybody. It isn't about being, you know, two steps ahead of anyone. These products, you know, Android and iOS or Android and Apple are entrenched in the marketplace. For somebody who's that entrenched for brands or products like that that are that entrenched in the market, the chances are you can't change the trajectory of anything that's going on there. Those companies have to make a mistake. It's not good enough for you to do something that's good or even better than what they do. Most consumers are not looking for better. They're not looking for something a hundred times better or two steps ahead. They just want something that's simple and works and answers their needs and satisfies what they expect out of a device and the device's ecosystem. So, of course, there would be a question here of, does the customer have a reason to leave their existing platform? And that's a bigger issue. If they don't, then it doesn't matter what BlackBerry does. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet, because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case so the choices are endless and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're the Tech Night Owl Live. As I said before we did our break, at this point... BlackBerry could be great, but if the consumer doesn't have a reason to leave iOS or Android, especially if you're involved in the ecosystem, you bought the apps, you spend time configuring your device, you're not going to jump ship. 
I don't think so. Um, it's not just the uh, device. You've spent time learning how to use the the interfaces. Um, you know, most of us don't want to have to relearn things. We're not interested in spending that much time. But isn't that the problem Microsoft is facing with Windows 8? It's such a change from the traditional Windows environment? True. Yes, it's absolutely uh, a challenge that Microsoft is facing. Um, yeah, there's no question. So the TV space is our final segment of this discussion. At the Consumer Electronics Show, we see more of these 4K TVs. And to explain to our listeners what that means, 4K is a higher resolution set. It is like you take a regular notebook and then you add the retina display and it's much sharper. So now 4K is much sharper than traditional 1080p sets. Great. Of course, they're very expensive now to produce those panels. Does that make a difference? Is the world clamoring for higher resolution flat panel TV? You know, again, customer just wants simple solutions that answer their needs. Uh, I don't think anybody is clamoring for that. I, you know, we could go back to almost everything we've talked about today, and I would tell you the consumer isn't clamoring for anything. So the sure. consumer just wants stuff that, like I said, answers the questions that they have, that solves their own needs, that gives them the experience that they're looking for. They don't know what is possible. They don't know what they can do with the next generation of thing. One of the beauties and geniuses of Apple has always been that they don't ask the consumer what they want because the consumer really doesn't know. We have to show them and guide them to what they might want. 4K is a perfect example of that because it actually does address the issues that consumers typically have with their televisions. Why do people buy new televisions? Looking in the U.S., they don't want smart TVs. They don't want 3D TVs. They don't want flat TVs. They don't want skinny TVs. They want TVs that have big screens and great pictures. And once you get through those two things, the rest of it is nice and interesting, and maybe I'll use it a little bit, and maybe it's important. But what are, those are the two things I really want. So basically here, 3D is filtering down to the lower price TV sets, but fewer using it. Smart TVs, a lot of the people who want those extra features will get a Roku or an Apple TV. They won't contend with the interfaces that a lot of these companies provide, which, you know, aren't very good, frankly. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, again, there, there's some of that, and that wasn't necessarily to say that 3D or smart TV or anything else is not useful or anything. The U.S. consumer, like I said, wants a great picture in a big set. 4K, that's some, when it gets to be affordable, will provide you with a better picture than what you have now. Consumers understand that messaging. They're willing to pay for that kind of messaging when it comes down into price ranges that they're willing to spend. They want bigger. We see, continue to see significant growth in the, the consumer TV market for not just 50 and above, really 60 and above. When the consumer has a choice, when, you know, it's $1,000 for a 60-inch television, that's a huge value to them, and that's the kind of thing that they're willing to go out there and purchase. So 4K means nothing except to the serious videophile, person who's willing to invest all sorts of money in a home theater sound system. They want to get the best TV, and they'll look at 4K as something. But then again... It's going to be the cart and horse issue here that 
You get a 4K set, but it does nothing for you until there is content in 4K resolution. That's true. It's a novelty. It's a novelty product. It's for people who have, you know, today have money to burn, want to say they have the best and the latest and the greatest. And frankly, you know, that's a pretty good market. You know, all the retailers would be happy to have, you know, 4K be that kind of market for a couple of years so that there was some money to be made because you can make money in that very, very small niche part of the market. And as that market starts to expand, then we'll see pricing come down and you'll get into more of an early adopter market. And then, you know, at some point later on, when prices get a little further down, you'll get into more of a uh, high-end kind of a market and then you know further down the line you'll get it into more of a mass market okay well then what is the argument then if someone has today a 50 inch tv and it's working pretty well and i've got a five-year-old 50 inch panasonic plasma and if i look at today's 50 inch tv that picture is somewhat better you know if i compare them side by side and obviously my flat panel because the tv set plays all the time has aged a little bit it's not as bright as it used to be that kind of thing at what point and how does a TV industry persuade someone like me, as a fairly typical owner of a TV set, to buy something new? Because obviously, if you're going to keep your set five or ten years, the TV makers aren't making any money off you. So let me ask you a question in response. When do you decide it's time to buy a new refrigerator? When do you decide it's time to buy a new dishwasher? When do you decide it's time to buy a new automobile? You know, sometimes... It's because you're just tired of the one you have and you want to get a new one. The new ones are fancier, nicer. They have navigation or water through the front door or, you know, it's quieter and you're tired of the noise. There's lots of people who just go out and upgrade on those kind of things because they're tired of the one that they have. And you see the exact same kind of thing happen in TV, where lots of people will say, look, I have a 50-inch TV, but I'd really like a 70-inch TV, and it's only $2,000, and I can afford that, and I'm willing to go out and do that. That's something I want to spend my money on. So basically, they have to look at what makes the person buy the step-up TV. Is it a larger screen? What is it going to be? Or is it just the TV stops working well, obviously that's <laughs> most tvs say are so reliable you don't worry about that for a while right right i mean that's a big reason why people go out and buy a new tv but just as big a reason is you know wants and desires it's a consumer market that's how you get people to come out and buy a new x y or z all the things we've talked about today most people's computer from four years ago works perfectly fine does everything they need my four-year-old phone smartphone probably does most of what i need it gets my email i can text i can talk on it for mo for a lot of people that's sufficient i don't need anything else it doesn't have to be faster or thinner or, or smarter than it is now you know one of the reasons you get people to upgrade is you have to build things that create wants and desires or fulfilled needs that consumers didn't know they had. This is consumer marketing 101. And the interesting thing is we spent all this time talking about all this stuff. And most consumers don't care about the tech specs. You might, I might, somebody else listening to this might, but most consumers don't care about that stuff. 
we have spent years and years in the tech business focused on all these meaningless numbers and the innards of our products and all this meaningless stuff, and the consumers don't care. The way you get somebody to buy something new is you appeal to their wants, you appeal to their desire. Those are the kind of reasons why people will trade up into the latest and greatest thing. So this is something that we won't answer today, but maybe we'll know soon as to how all these great new TV gadgets are going to go. We're not going to speculate right now about the possibilities of an Apple smart TV set. If they think that they can make a difference, we may see one. We don't know. Stephen Baker, how do we find out more of what you do? You can always come to uh, npd.com or our blog at npdgroupblog.com or even more exciting on Twitter. You can follow me at NPD Steve Baker. You can find us on Twitter, by the way, at Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Or go to technightowl.com to find out all the things that we're up to. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And this weekend's episode is going to be about conspiracy theories. Huh. Maybe we should have a show on tech conspiracy theories. You never know. That would be great. I would love to hear a show on tech conspiracy theories. (laughs) Stephen Baker, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Okay. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.